back in time. Shut up and sit down. This is Take 9 of Films D Podcast. Thank you for selecting us on SoundCloud. I'm Richard Thomas, not John Boy from the Waltons. With me as usual on the sidelines, though, is Joe Walters, a.k.a. Geppetto. The ghetto Geppetto, because the spelling's ghetto. It ain't G-E-P-P-E-T-T-O. It's Joe Petto. Anyway, he's still MIA, kind of like he was on the episode 5, The Search for Jedi Joe. Yet, I just want to go straight in and introduce my guest. Now, I've met this brother while working in music in L.A. He's an awesome vision, ahead of his peers. I respect his hustle. He's a creator of the web series The Rapper, which launched fall of 2012. When I talk to this dude, I really be feeling like I'm talking to Ryan Coogler or just... Let me just go ahead and introduce him. Vinny, Vinny, Vinny Lamont, filmmaker Vinny Lamont, out on the West Coast. How you doing, bro? Hey, peace, family. How's it going? Good, 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 bro. I appreciate you being able to take time out of your evening and do this podcast. We starting later than usual, but I want to go ahead and get straight into the questions. Oh, no, no problem. Honored to be here. So you care to introduce yourself? Give people a brief background on yourself? Sure. My name is Vincent Lamont, a Los Angeles native, filmmaker, writer, director, producer. Been in the game for about 12 12, 13 years now and still going strong. So you said 10, 12 years. Is that about the time when you kind of fell in love with film or was that kind of the period when you decided to take it up as a profession? That's about the time that I started to take it, uh, take it serious. I fell in love with film and the early 90s, my neighbors, Robert Townsend and Keenan Ivory Wayne, around the time when they were doing Hollywood Shuffle. Okay. And, uh, you know, you know, you step outside and you see all the commotion and everything going on. Mm-hmm. You, you want to know, you know, you know, want to know what's what. And uh, mm-hmm. I saw them doing that. I saw Keenan working on um, In Living Color. I actually made a little cameo on uh, episode two on the very first season of uh, In Living Color. In Living Color. What? Gave our neighborhood a shout out. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding gave me? Gave our neighborhood got... a shout out. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. What neighborhood are you from? In L.A., I'm from West L.A., uh, La Brea, Washington, South Orange Drive to be specific. Okay, all right, all right. So... What what was the skit? Were you in a skit or was this one like particular? No, no, no. I was. We were were in the crowd. Oh, you were. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's that's love though. Oh, so you were you started off falling in love with it back then. I mean, what was it like being in the audience? I just want to. I've never participated in a live recording or anything. And then Living Color is one of my favorite shows. I wish I had it on DVD. I still got to get it though. It was very interesting, you know, like kind of when they when they would take breaks, um, they had a, a guy kind of working the crowd, you know, asking us questions and uh, handing out prizes. Um, me being so young, they they told me they you know kind of made fun of me saying that I was Webster because <laughs> <laughs> I had this I had this little funny sweater you had on, the sweater. Uh, and I was yeah yeah I was <laughs> kind of getting clowned on and made fun of, but. It was a it was a great night, man. I got a um, I got a nightlight out of uh, out of the uh, gifts that they were handing out. So mm. I, it was dope, man. I, I really enjoyed um, experiencing uh, in living color. 
yeah, like I, live and up close. Yeah, I, I, man, I, the life of somebody growing up on the West Coast in LA, you get to experience those type of things at a very young age. Indeed. After that, what uh, what were some of your uh, the, the things that you did as a kid? Like me personally, growing up, I was like one of those kids that had a Tyco video camera. And it was that little black and white white joint you had to hook up to the TV with the VCR and you had to hit record and play it from there or whatever. I used to uh, do little skits, me and my cousins, all throughout the summertime whenever we had time to be able to stay up late and watching Living Color. We would, after it went off, be like disappointed it went off. We were, we, uh, end up like reenacting the skits on our little Tyco video camera and shit. My favorite joint was the homie, the clown joint. We had some boxes cause I had just moved in me and my mom's in this new spot. And so we used the boxes. Like I was a uh, homie, the clown in the episode of, uh, uh, the skit he did a uh, diss old homie, uh, or, uh, this old uh, box. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. So yeah. that was fun. I, uh, so when did you first pick up a camera then? So if it was 12 years ago, you picked up a camera? Yeah, yeah, 12 years ago. Um, um, my dad um, bought me a camera. Uh, he didn't He didn't mean to buy me a camera. I was supposed to pay him back, but <laughs> I didn't pay him back. I didn't have the money at the time, but I told him I did. Yeah. So he bought me a camera under the impression that I was going to pay him back, but <laughs> I never did, so. But hey, I got a camera. I'm I'm his son. He's supposed to support my dream. No doubt, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but so, I, I actually started off as a uh, as a writer. I I would write all the time, um, like short stories and things like that. And uh, I had a teacher in the seventh grade. My second time being in the seventh seventh grade, mm-hmm. might I add. <laughs> but my teacher, she uh, I had up and downs that year too, but it's all good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I had a teacher. She noticed my talent, and uh, you know, she kind of encouraged me to, you know, take it up a notch and go forward with it. And uh, she taught me how to format and write scripts. And I was, I was like, ever since uh, say ninety eight, mm-hmm. uh, ninety seven, ninety eight. Man, I've been writing. You know, nice. So, so what does film mean to you, uh, or more so, what is your objective as a filmmaker? And as a writer, um, I, well, I'll start off with the first question that you asked. What does film mean to me? Yeah, it's 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 the greatest communication tool that we have now, because it, it, it's a, and I mean this in the most positive way possible. But we are given the ability to manipulate emotions. We're given the ability to manipulate mind states. We can change the world via film. You know, yeah. um. It's, it's so many things that this this art can do to change the world, and I, I, that's why I love it. It's a it's a wonderful medium that you can can use in your benefit to you know give somebody a different perspective and uh, you know kind of let other people like like take take stories, man. Everybody has a story, and and and, and get it out there, and you know shine some lights on topics that people you know are, aren't even thinking about. Um, and where I see myself, what I see myself doing in film, at this stage in my career, I kind of, kind of want to just mentor, man. To be honest, I want to, I want to extend myself and help somebody find themselves, like I, uh, in in the art of film, and, and mentor. Um, I think I've 
I, not to say I have like an extraordinary catalog as of right now, but I think I've done enough in the film industry to, to where I can fall back a little bit and and bring somebody up through the ranks and, and teach them and coach them and uh, push them out there. Because, you know, we, we may have the next, you know, Spike, John, uh, Ryan Kluger. We may have them walking amongst us, but nobody's giving them the time of day to, to help push them out there. So that's that's my overall goal right now is just to be a mentor, um, all the while still producing, writing, and uh, filming. Right on. So it's interesting you bring that up. I, I've asked this before, but I'm going to ask you, being that you are interested in teaching kids, what are some of the, well, give me five maybe principles or uh, things that you've learned from your experience making film that you could pass on to the next generation. Five things. Um, one, I would say professionalism. <clears throat> Uh, in this business, what I've learned is your name is everything. So it's extremely important that you be professional. You have to be punctual. You have to do exactly what you say you're going to do. You have to know if you're not the director or you're not in charge, you have to respect the chain of command. So I'll say that's, that's probably one of them. Uh, another thing I will have to say is, is respect the art, respect the craft. You know, it, it is a it is a craft that can pay you handsomely. It is. I I will be the first to attest to that. But don't do it just because of the money, because then it becomes like any other hustle. You know, where you don't respect it. So um, I I see a lot of people that just jump in this just for the fame and the notoriety. But if you don't have any love for it, it's not going to love you back, and it's not going to treat you good in the long run. Um. Third thing I will say is um I want to I want to I want to feel whenever I see a project I want to feel it I don't want to just hear it I don't want to just see it I want to internalize it I want to I want it to draw an emotion from me you know I I don't want to just sit there and you know get disinterested because the dialogue is expositional. Or the the acting is, you know, you can tell they're reading from a script. But we need to feel whatever we put out, not just hear it. So I, I would like to see more in-depth writing. I would like to see more in-depth and solid acting. And uh, overall, great projects. Um, fourth thing, hmm. uh, I, would like, I guess that kind of piggybacks off of the third thing is quality of work. Um, we... It's it's kind of disheartening when I when I look at most of our African American filmmakers and I see that they don't take the time to put quality work out. It's kind of like they just take something and shoot it and just grab anybody to to act in it. Which not to say that you can't strike gold sometimes with that. Like kind of what is it? Mur Murder and violence. I think that's the name of the web series that's out. Okay. Never seen. Yeah, they kind of. Yeah, they kind of struck gold with that, like using an iPhone to film and, and grabbing, you know, actors off the street. They kind of grab, grab lightning in a bottle with that. But for the most part, I think we need to take more pride in our work and have respect for our work. And uh, the last thing I would say is, and this is very important, is the fifth one is do not chase Hollywood. Do not chase Hollywood. 
Because if you chase Hollywood, you're just an expendable piece. Let Hollywood chase you. You are the biggest asset. You are the draw. You're the talent. You're the show. You don't need to chase Hollywood. Make them conform to you. You don't have to conform to them. Because um, that's what's the major thing I see with a lot of black filmmakers. They they compromise their art and compromise themselves in order to get validated by the Oscars, validated by white critics and, and all that, when it's not necessary. we Just do your art. Do what you know that your target audience is going to respect. And then once you build your core audience, everything else falls into place. So don't follow Hollywood. Don't chase the trends. You be the trend. That's my motto. I feel Sorry you on so that. No, it's all good, bro. You uh, made some great points, and I, all five of those lessons are important. And most of all, I do hear you on the the fifth one being that you know you shouldn't chase Hollywood. A lot of celebrities, uh, I'm just gonna call Kanye out because of the fact that that's one thing that Kanye's been about to some degree. He's just mentioned now in the headlines I read that he wants to win 100 Grammys before he dies. Now, I don't don't necessarily know that that's something that should be, you know, the ultimate goal with anybody who's creating art. However, there are a lot of filmmakers over and just creatives naturally that are interested in having that uh, critical acclaim, that, you know, acknowledgement, the recognition by your peers. And me personally, I've been in a position myself where I've wanted that for myself. And I've also know people who, you know, one of my guests on the previous episode, uh, my guy, Citizen X, uh, Chris Clark, he came through on an episode and was really just adamant about, you know, not necessarily doing art for the sake of winning awards because that's not what art is about. And it's not really a competition. It's about, you know, doing you and doing what you do best. So my question for you, because of this experience and this knowledge that you're sharing, I wonder you know, what were some of the projects people, you know, may think that you just have this omniscient kind of sense of what's right and what's wrong about working in the industry yet. Tell me some of the uh, previous projects or some of the current projects that you're working on right now that, you know, that are uh, based upon the, that are in the film industry, the work that you've done in the film industry. Um, What I've done in the past, I've worked on um, a couple of reality shows, uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Basketball Wives. Uh, I've worked on uh, Oprah's inter- Oprah show with the interview with her and Simon Cowell. Um, just, um, with those projects, I was uh, mainly a production assistant as well as like uh, a grip and an AC. Um, I worked on um mike epps uh his uh stand-up that he put out maybe about two years ago i was uh working on the intro with that um i've also shot a gang of numerous video music videos for artists um excuse me compton menace uh who used to be games artists him and uh big payback big payback r.i.p he got murdered last year um uh a couple of local cats in l.a uh I shot videos for um, <laughs> uh, a gang. I can't remember the brother's name, but he was a uh, he was a blood uh, in LA. I, I can't remember the brother's name. It escapes me, but I shot a video for him. But working on short films, uh, my thesis film in, in film school, 
uh, called She Got Bars, which is about a, a white girl that's a battle rapper. It's really interesting. If you want to check it out, it's on my YouTube page. Just search under Vincent Lamont, L-A-M-O-T-T-E. That's Vincent Lamont, L-A-M-O-T-T-E. And uh, my web series, The Rapper, um, uh, we shot that in 2012. Um, we had a production deal. It kind of faltered and fizzled out. The production deal kind of fell through. And uh, I moved back to Atlanta. And, and Well, I moved to, to Atlanta. I was living in L.A. But I moved to Atlanta in uh, 2013. And I kind of been low-key from the, from the game for the past few years. Uh, I just got married, had another child, so I, you know. Life oh, calls. Yeah. And, uh, Congratulations. I yeah. uh, appreciate it. Thank you, brother. But um, so I, I just found myself looking at the rapper one day and like I didn't like the way that it ended. You know, I, I felt that I could do more with that. And I think I matured a lot as a director that I'm more able to um, convey to my actors what do I what I want and what, the, what I expect from them. So I. Uh, Jumped on the computer and uh, pushed out eight episodes. And right now we're in pre-production. We start filming on uh, Saturday, and uh, we're going to be filming for a whole month, and hopefully have a release uh, maybe in June. So I'm back at it. <laughs> oh man, nice! Now, when I called you up to uh, invite you on the podcast, I had no idea. That's that was fast, man. Indeed. Yeah. How long did it take you to write the? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you that question shortly. But where did where did you get the idea for the rapper from? I remember talking about it with you while in L.A. Uh, when you first launched the series back in 2012. So since then, you've you know reappro you haven't been uh, too fond of the ending yet. How did it all begin? Um, the the rapper is actually. Uh, based upon, loosely based on the story of a good friend of mine um, named Monterrence Thomas. Uh, he was uh, murdered April 1st, 2010. Um, he was, uh, he wanted to be a rapper. Uh, he bought studio equipment. He invested his time and his energy and his art and his craft. And he, he was really, lo he loved the art. And uh, he was passionate about it. And that was a real good friend of mine, um, and I I don't want his memory to be in vain because he is such a life. He's full of life, you know. If you, if anybody met him or anybody that came across him, will tell you, you know, he's just a a funny guy. He always keep you laughing, had energy. You never really saw him have a down day, and I, that's a person like that, man. You know, they they come here and and they make an impact on your life. And when they're taken so abruptly and so prematurely, you know, it, it hurts, it stings. And the world needs to know what type of person that this is that, that left an impact on me so much that I would want to create a show dedicated to his memory. So I, I had to do it, you know, out of respect for my friend. And he would support me 100% if he was here. Um, and he'd be right on board. So this, this is all for him his legacy and making sure his spirit and memory lives on man the way you describe your guy it sounds like it, it reminds me of 
Oscar Grant and the way that Ryan Coogler, I just saw Ryan Coogler last weekend, uh, Chicago, uh-huh. University of Chicago, he gave a speech uh, at Mendel Hall. And there he was describing Oscar and just how a lot of young people, even just specific, more specifically black males, when they die so young, you they have all of these like dynamics to their personality that they've yet to really define because they're still trying to figure out who they are as a person and what they want to do with life. And some people find out what it is that they want to do very early on. And even when I was watching um, Fruitvale Station recently, the feeling that I, the questions that I would love to have asked Ryan Coogler, one of them being was how did he find the opportunities to kind of really take it, to define all of these different dynamics, these different uh, these these different characteristics that he displayed and that he you know presented and you know the energy that he had as a man at that age and how he you know had that sent one scene where you saw him trying to change uh, uh-huh. when he decided to dump off the weed instead of selling it to the white the Asian dude I think it was the Asian dude at uh, mm-hmm. right before he decided to go over to his mom's house for. Nah, before he went to go pick up his girl uh, at work. So those type of moments like that, just thinking about that, that reminds me of how, you know, a lot of young black male and just men or just people in in general who die young are oftentimes seen as, you know, people with a lot that they still have to give to the world. So how much more of the story will be around? I say all that to ask you how much of the story that of the rapper will still be based around, uh, what is your, his, his, I know his last name is Thomas, we share the same last name, but mm-hmm. what, his name is Markham? What? Say that one more time for me, King. What's the name of your friend that you, the series is based on again? Uh, Terrence. Terrence. Yeah. Terrence Thomas? Correct, correct. Terrence Thomas. My Terrence Thomas, that's his name. Okay. So wow, that's I um have a relative who passed away named Terrence Thomas. So uh coincidence or serendipity as you may put it. And so I forgot my question. My bad. Yeah. So now that we've answered the question about where the idea came from, the what are the new episodes about? Um, well, this, this installment of the rapper is a little bit more deeper and emotion driven. Is it still based um, upon Terrence Thomas? Uh, loosely. Yeah, his, a lot of his philosophies and his beliefs are still in there, mm-hmm. but we're, we're, we're starting, I'm not going to get too much away, but at this, at this juncture of the, of the rapper, we're starting at a, with a young man who was at a complete crossroads in his life, mm-hmm. and it, as, as, as a lot of us young black males are, when we hit the age 18, 19, 20, 21, we in you know college isn't for us, and we don't want to work a job, so we we don't know exactly what our purpose and our goal is, but we know it's not to to indoctrinate ourselves in this uh in this system. Mm-hmm. We're 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 put here to be 
we're, we're put here to be great. You know, we're, we're put here to be kings. We're put here to be God. We're not put here to, to bust our humps, creating somebody else's dream. But we don't know, like, the first step, what to do in order to make our realities, our, our dreams become a reality. So we find this young man in this world where he's one foot in the street because he needs to eat and he needs to make money. And he's in a desperate situation. He's in survival mode. And it's not working out for him. It's, it's a lot of elements going on around him that's telling him he needs to find something else. So he winds up, you know, falling in love with, uh, I mean, going with his uh, first love in hip-hop, rapping. And uh, it, the story kind of takes off from there. Like I said, I, just, I don't want to give too much away because I want the audience to uh, kind of, fall in love with my characters and uh the story and, and be engaged in it so i'm gonna leave it at that so that's cool my question for you though is what do you mean by black men do not want to indoctrinate themselves into this society well um this system is not meant for us man it's 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 not it's, it's this system is like feeding a a gorilla a polar bear diet that's why when we go to school, we reject everything that, that's taught to us because inside of us, we know it's not for us. We know it's foreign. It doesn't register with us. I can speak for myself. Like when I went to school, I didn't care about what was being told to me and what was being taught to me because I couldn't, one, relate to it. And I see, seeing, and number two, I, I didn't see how it will help me in the future. Like I cannot tell you how right now in my life, chlorophyll from a plant is helping me out right now. It's not helping me. I can't tell you right now in my life how James Oglethorpe is one of my heroes for finding for for doing whatever he did. It's, it's, I didn't I didn't learn. That's not the way we learn. And, and on top of that, yeah, they taught they miseducated us because we learn black people. We learn totally different than everybody else. We learn we're a rhythmic people. We learn in rhythm. They teach, they, they, uh, when we're in class, the chairs are lined up in rows. Well, in Africa, we learn in a circle because we have that connection. It's a cipher. And, and that's, that they, they really, they, they did everything that they could in these, in these schools and these institutions to break us down mentally to where we, we lose our confidence and we don't believe in ourselves. So, we're dealing in the rapper. We're dealing with a young man who has no confidence, no self-esteem, and he doesn't see himself. It isn't until he meets his black woman, the strong black woman, that draws that man out of him. And I, I had to put that in there because the black woman is the one that builds us up. She is our reason for being. She is who who brings the best out of us. And I had to put that in there. Because I, I want to see, I want this show to to also show healthy black relationships, so we can get back to loving each other instead of pointing the finger. Because it's not the time to point fingers; it's the time for healing. And uh, this this is what that show is going to represent. We're going to heal, we're going to grow, and we're going to think. That's what the rapper is going to represent this time around. Like I said, I'm sorry for getting long winded. No, bro, I, it's no problem. <laughs> I'm gonna draw you back in by asking you. How, um, you're, you, you said you're shooting this weekend, correctly? Correct. Yes, I'm correct. shooting this weekend. You're shooting this weekend. All right. And 
what could you tell me what's the pre-production process like like i'm i've worked on films but i mean everybody's different in some sense they define pre-production even differently so what what kind of work did you do in the pre-production process to prepare for the shoot this coming up weekend this upcoming weekend okay um first and foremost i always want to secure my locations make sure i have every place that i need locked in uh, I also want to make sure I have all my equipment, um, and I also want to make sure I have a, a, a reliable and trustworthy crew. So uh, I, the first thing I did was just get my location, and then I started putting fillers out there for uh, me needing a crew. Um, I got me a solid crew, and I uh, went and bought all of my equipment myself, and uh, then I had my casting process. Uh, and I, when I casted my actors, I, I made sure that all of them were able to take direction. Um, if I gave them an excuse me, if I gave them an objective, I was looking to see if they did the objective and they received what I said and they acted it out. And I made them do it repeatedly, and uh, also explained the emphasis on uh, me looking for more emotion rather than just actors reading verbatim. And uh, I got me a, a solid eight solid eight actors out of the uh, casting process. So um, now we uh, we just did the photo shoot for the actors to, to, to go up on the website um, and uh, had our table read. Um, and now we're uh, ready to go ahead and shoot this thing. So it sounds like you've real prepared you feel prepared yeah yeah absolutely i feel extremely prepared uh this is one like, like i said this is where i feel my maturation process as a director has, is coming into play um like previously doing the raptor doing the raptor rapper in 2012 i i, I kind of didn't prepare i rushed everything i did make sure um i was i was you know uh ready to lead. I, I think I just, mm -hmm. I was just so gun ho about getting the project done that I, I negated all the little things. Mm -hmm. So this time around, I'm, I'm extremely prepared. Um, my crew is extremely prepared. My actors, I talk to them and, and let them know what I expect. Um, and everybody's ready to go. So I, I'm really confident going into this Saturday to film. And uh, the world is going to see a great project, an outstanding project. So can you tell me about more people that are, uh, such as the cast and the crew that are working on the project? Sure, absolutely. Um, I got my DP, uh, Jonathan Thompson. He's uh, He actually lived in L.A. around the time that I did. Um, we never crossed paths, but we know some of the same people. He's my DP. Uh, I got a guy um, named Victor Rodriguez. I'm bringing up under my wing, man. Um, he, he's uh, kind of a novice to film, but he has a he's, he's taking a liking to it, and he wants to be a part of it. Um, mm -hmm. Wants to learn, you know. So I'm more than happy to teach him. Um, I have a high school classmate of mine, uh, Danielle Winston. She's in charge of the art department and wardrobe, and she's so killer with putting together outfits. Uh, I swear, I get a lot of my style pointers from her. Shout out to Danielle. <laughs> Um, who else? Uh, I got um a childhood friend of mine, childhood friend of mine who's uh, his name is Mikey. <laughs> his name is Vincent Darty, but we call him Polo. 
Uh, he's actually an executive producer, and um, he's a, he's been a real big part of uh, getting everybody on board and uh, helping me organize this thing. So uh, yeah, man, we uh, we got a nice little crew going forward. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting anybody, but I'm just. <laughs> So it sounds like your crew and your cast are diverse, right? Are they you 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 exercising the you know the your right to employ diverse individuals both behind and in front of the camera? No, absolutely. Um, like I said, I'm all about if I see anybody with a talent or that wants to be a part of something and is willing to put in the work, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. Because uh, I, I wish somebody would have did that for me when I was uh, up, and come, up and coming. It was just uh, one just one person ever gave me an opportunity. Is, is it cool if we could just hold on for one second? I'm no sorry. problem. We can take a moment. Pardon this break. We thank you for listening to Films D Podcast. If you're interested in being a sponsor or would like to be featured on a future episode, please feel free to contact us at filmsd at gmail.com. That's F-I-L-M-D-E-E at gmail.com. Thank you. Now that we're back, I guess I'm going to dip off into some of the questions that I ask everybody on that I invite on the podcast. Okay. My first question is, what was the last film you watched online, like on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, iTunes, or any other streaming platform for that matter? And what was it about? Um, <clears throat> the last film that I watched was a film called Five Star on Netflix. It was a film about one older guy. He was a drug dealer. His name was Primo. And he was at a crossroads in his life where he was trying to veer away from the gang life and take care of his family and be there for his family. And he was mentoring a young guy who he was friends with his father. And the young guy was kind of running around the city reckless, selling drugs and getting in altercations and all that. And the two kind of came to a confrontation at the end. I don't want to get an end in a way, but it was a pretty decent movie. It was an independent film. Uh, I, I love independent films. I, I, I don't too much... I, I, don't, I rarely watch a, a mainstream movie nowadays because they're all kind of whack, to be honest, right now. But um, That's how you feel. It was an independent film. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we've gotten so far away from story and and everything is just explosions and big-name actors. Nobody tells a good story anymore. I think the last good story movie that I've seen was Dope. That's on Netflix, too, now. Dope. Yeah, yeah, that movie was really good. Great movie, great movie. I really liked it. And it's straight out of Compton, you know, that that was... Of course, man, and both of these set on the West Coast and neighborhoods you're probably all too familiar with. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, the NWA, I mean, I'm, I credit EVE and Ice Cube for my personality that I have <laughs> <laughs> these days. Like, from the way I dress to the... To, to my confidence and my bravado. I mean, that's that's all credit to Ice Cube. Word. That's, I, I never even looked at it like that, but I can see how that their influence being much closer to someone like you and from that environment and that community would influence mm-hmm. a lot about, you know, you as a, a brother in a, you know, in the same community that they're from. So I... Indeed. So you 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 your last film was a crime slash drug dealer film. 
give me some of your favorite yeah. or give me like the five your five favorite drug dealer crime movies of all time. Drug dealer crime movies. To be honest, man, I'm I'm not really a fan of those movies. Right, You're movie you a fan just, of like crime heist movies. I mean, you saw Ant Man. Saw what movie that was that? Ant Man. You saw Ant Man. No, no, I haven't seen Ant Man. You haven't seen Ant Man with Michael Pena no, and fucking Ti. Who else was in that joint? Uh, I mean, those are just people I can think of off the top of my head. Of course, the lead actor being uh, Joe. Who was the lead actor in Ant Man? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Nah, he I also co-wrote it. Yeah, my son, he was telling me that that I need to watch that, but nah, man, I'm I'm more so a comedy drama guy, man. I, I like those types. All right, cool. If you like I that, love- you really like Ant Man. You like crime if because you don't like crime, but you like comedy. It's got the comedy elements because of Paul Rudd. Yet, you know, all right, if you're more of a comedy man, give me top five crime, comedy films. Then, if you don't like crime, my my top five comedy films. Uh, and, one, and I'm going to ask you to exclude stand-up comedy because I know you work with Mike Epps and I don't want you throwing in no plugs about the projects <laughs> you worked on. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. It's cool. Uh, the number one funny movie is uh, Friday. That's my my favorite comedy of all time. Number two is uh, Coming to America. Actually, uh, Friday and Coming to America is interchangeable at number one and number two. Right. Um, number three, Number three is Harlem Night. I knew you was going to say that. Um, it's just like you can't say coming to America without mentioning Harlem Nights, especially with those like being your indeed. top two. Yeah. Uh, another one is uh, Zach and Miri make a porno. I love that movie. <laughs> that, that movie is so... That movie is hilarious. That movie and, is um, and number I five... I bet he wish he had GoPros. To... Huh? Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, number five, my fifth favorite funny movie of all time. Uh, you know what I was thinking about it today? Major pain. Major Vincent Weatherford pain. Yeah. That, that movie is, is Who's that Damon Wayne's? Damon Wayne's, yeah. Yeah, Damon Wayne's senior. Yep, yep, yep. And his nephew, uh, Dante Damon Wayne's is in that. As a kid? One of the kids that go to the school? Yeah, yeah, his nephew's in that, yep. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Nice. Yeah, the Wayne's family's always yeah. been one of the best families working in Hollywood. Isn't it? Indeed, man. It'll be if I ever got the opportunity to work with them, my career will be that'll be full circle. No doubt. So your top films: Friday, Coming to America, Harlem Nights, Zach and Mary Make a Porno. Number five was Major Pain. All right, I can Indeed. I can respect that list. I can respect that list. So we talked about your top five comedy movies. Since you're working on a, web, a series about you know rappers and music, what are your top five rap albums? My top five rap albums? Yeah. Uh, number one is Death Certificate by Ice Cube. Number two is America's Most Wanted by Ice Cube. Uh, number three is uh, Tupac Machiavelli album. Um, number four Heavy on the West Coast is... sound. Indeed. Um... Number four, I would say, is Me Against the World, um, Tupac. And uh, number five, I would have to put uh, kind of a toss-up between Lethal Injection, Ice Cube, and Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt. 
those are like my top five albums hmm. ever. Okay, I yeah, can respect those, that. No, and not and honestly, I would have to put Reasonable Doubt in my list without a doubt. Uh, and yeah, indeed. I just got title myself. Uh, I've switched over to title, left Apple Music behind because of the fact that you can listen to Reasonable Doubt on iTunes as well as Nas's untitled album in its entirety. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, in aside from that, Kanye West's album is on title exclusively for the next two weeks. I I, I kind of appreciate title more. I don't know if you, you you know you use any of the streaming apps like Spotify or uh, Pandora. Or SoundCloud. I mean, yeah. I use SoundCloud a great deal to listen to a lot of mixes by a couple different uh, stations on on there from the West Coast in particular. Yet, I uh, I don't know. I had to put Jay Z in there and maybe cut out a couple of them Ice Cubes and maybe even a Tupac albums. Them Tupac albums actually a toss up. That Machiavelli yeah. and that Me Against the World were two kind of like varying albums that really defined him as an artist and just not only as an artist but just how his mentality had changed as a man from that phase of being me against the world to feeling like you know Machiavelli indeed yeah so <clears throat> yeah man I, I can't go wrong with those albums like those are albums that I keep in rotation on the daily yeah uh, so you ever get in the Scarface? I mean, it sounds like you heavy on the West Coast sound. You like the H Town sound? Oh, what about absolutely. The East no. Coast, you know. Oh, East Coast rappers, yeah, man. Um, if I had to do my favorite East Coast albums, all oh, you would do, just do a category um, all by itself. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Jay Z, uh, Reasonable Doubt is number one. Biggie, Ready to Die is number two. BMX, uh, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood is number three. Number four is Dipset, Diplomatic Immunity. And okay. number five, I will, I will have to say Nas, uh, um, the very first Nas album. Illmatic. Illmatic, um, yeah. What can I even think about that? Nah, it's all good. You got Stillmatic, Illmatic, you get confused if you wasn't into the industry like you. So I yeah, uh, yeah. would... Um, I wanted to ask you too. So, all right, that's your East Coast. You got your West Coast. What's the, what about the South? The South, um, the number one album, uh, my top five in the South is number one, Outkast. Uh, uh, no, it's a, it's a with Outkast between, man, Aquamini and AT Aliens. It's a, but them are like my number one, number one and one A. Uh, <laughs> number two. You, you split, the, two you split the single family home into a duplex. You say you got one, yeah. <laughs> and then you got one A. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, I say number two is Goody Mob, uh, Still Standing, which is such an underrated album, man. Like, people Never don't listen to it, guy. I, I've listened to Soul. Oh, yeah. Soul Food, but I, not that one. You have to hear that album. It is so underrated. It's so underrated. Hilo is showed out on that album. But um, number three, I would have to say Juvenile, 400 Degrees. Nah, no um, doubt. Yeah, yeah. And number four, I would have to say Hot Boys, Guerrilla Warfare. And uh, yeah. number five. That I was a second say, joint, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it was a second joint. Yeah, they, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then number, number five, I would have to say Scarface. Um, huh, man, it, it, it's tough. Again, my favorite Scarface album is, is, is tough. Hey, man, especially uh, if you heard his newest album on uh, 
on yeah yeah vinyl. I got his new joint yeah I got his new joint but I I, I won't put that over uh, my homies okay uh, that's probably yeah. my favorite Scar Scarface album alright 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 cool so I'm gonna ask you one last question about film we getting kind of we hitting mm-hmm. time kind of close so I you know I want to be able to wrap it up around question one last question if there was one film you could watch for the rest of your life, you were in the hospital, you was at home on bed rest, you was in the seniors' home with, with all the with you know the rich, wealthy, and well known retired. What would be the one film you would watch? Like if you only had one uh-huh. film you could watch, like your 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 hard drive or your TV or your your streaming service was glitching and all you could do is. Watch this one joint all over and over and over again. What joint? What film would that be? Uh, Malcolm X. Come on, man! You, hold on. You you sit through that film that two and two and a half, two hours and forty five minutes to a three hour long film with the sad ending over and over again. Yeah, man. You talking about the Spike I, Lee I joint, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my favorite movie. Like, well, it's one of my favorite movies. The City of God never, is my favorite movie. But, I can never get but, through. I can never get through the ending of that movie. Like, once he comes back from, what is it, Mecca, the Mecca in, uh, mm-hmm. in the Middle East, once mm-hmm. he comes back from like I said, it's very, very inspiring. Like, it's, man, it's, that guy, man, he, Malcolm is a part of my enlightenment. Him and Tupac are like the two brothers that woke me up, man, out of my, out of my slumber, out of my days, man. So, that movie, every time I see it, I just get inspired to want to be great. So, I have, I have to have that movie in my, Everyday life. Did you know that James Baldwin was the one of the original writers of a film about Malcolm X? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one. There was a period in time where James Baldwin was hired to write that film, uh, based upon the mm-hmm. adapt. I don't know if it was based upon the adaptation uh, or an, an adaptation of the autobiography. Yet it. Uh-huh. It was something, of course, that did not vote well with the powers that be at the time. And so with that, I'm going to ask you, you know, you you're bringing a new project into this new age. Could you give me more or let the people know who are listening to the podcast, uh, let them know where they can find out more about you and the series, The Rapper, as it gets ready to launch in the coming months? Sure. Um, Our website is UADW.org. Um, or my YouTube is youtube.com slash Lamont, L-A-M-O-T-T-E. And my Facebook is, uh, www.facebook.com slash the Lamont, which is L-A-M-O-T-T-E. That's V, V, L-A-M-O-T-T-E. And my Instagram is at Vinny underscore Sankofa. And Sankofa is spelled S-A-K-O-F-A. 
and that means take on the past to better the future. And so I'm going to hope back. and pray yeah, that that's what you do. Yeah. I, I hope and, and pray that you do make the best of the uh, new installment of the rapper series. And hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, you are, in fact, uh, going to make an appearance again on the podcast. We can talk more about the series once it's launched. Or we could, you know, do an interview however you want to do it. But thank you again for being a part of the podcast. And thank you for anyone who's listening to Films D Take 9. Please feel free to hit the like button if you've enjoyed this interview. Share it, reshare it, tweet it, share the link. Do anything to get, you know, the word out about Films D Podcast. You can find us at SoundCloud.com backslash Films D as well as on Twitter and Facebook and on filmsd.com, the website. I'm your host again, Richard Thomas with Joe Walters. Thank you again for listening to Films D Podcast. Peace.